have you found Mark 14 yet? All that was just so you could find it, because I know you guys have been, you know, tracking through Saturate. i got to find it now. All right. Father, as we spend time in your word, I am praying that by your spirit you would open it up in a way that penetrates our lives, changes our lives. We want to passionately worship you. We want to understand you. We want to know you. We want to understand what you're doing. We want to see what you're doing. Father, as we read this word, as we spend time in your word, would you challenge us for the change you want to bring about in our lives? And then, Holy Spirit, we stand confident on the words that Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, that you who began a good work are complete it, that you would complete the work, that our lives would be transformed and changed in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, that the songs we sang about today would be ruminating into our lives in the very existence that people that know us in our jobs, in our schools, in our neighborhoods would, would beg us to tell them what it is in our lives that's different. Make a difference in our lives today, Jesus. Change and challenge us, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. The name of my title, the title of my message, Betraying the King. Let's start in verse 43. As Pastor Jim preached on last week, uh, verse 36 is this pivotal moment when Jesus, in all of his humanity, made a decision to bow his knee to the will and the authority of the Father. He had, I believe, an option to saying no. If he was 100% man and 100% God, he had that pivotal moment when he said, not my will but yours be done, not only doing it for what was taking place on the cross, but also as an example for us of how to surrender and bow our knees to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He got to that pivotal point. Picking up on that, verse 43, then immediately when he was still speaking, Judas one of the twelve was with the great multitude with swords and clubs and came with the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given him the signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Take him away, lead him away safely. In the Greek there when he says, Whoever I kiss, he meant just kind of a little affectionate pick on the cheek. That's what he's saying. I want, you'll make more sense as we go on. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. But when he kissed him in the Greek there, he talks about a lover's kiss. He betrayed his Lord and Master and Savior, not with a peck on the cheek, but with a full lover's kiss. And they laid hands on him and took him away. And one of them who stood by drew a sword in John 18.10. We, we know his name is Peter. And, and it's believed that the reason Mark didn't write this because the gospel was so new and so fresh that he didn't want to get Peter in trouble quite yet. And Peter was still alive, and they could have technically arrested him for doing this. And one of them who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest. John 18.10 says his name is Malchus, and he cut off his ear. Luke 22 tells us that Jesus touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus answered and said, Have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to take me away? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not take me away, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him, and they fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth around his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him, and so he left the linen cloth, and he fled away from there naked. Now interesting, John Mark, Mark is the only one that writes this down. So it's perceived that since John wrote this early on, he was trying to say, Mark as he became known in the gospel here, that when John Mark wrote this, he was trying to say, I was there. 
I was at there. I was an eyewitness. But again, remember, this is the early church when Mark wrote his gospel. He's afraid and concerned that they might come after him as being one of the followers. And again, that'll make more sense if we go on. In a sense, Mark was even betraying him. Verse 53, Then they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him they assembled the high priest, the elders, and the scribes. But Peter followed at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself by the fire. And the chief priests and all the councils took test of, sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, and they found none. So many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies could not and did not agree. And some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But even then, they did not get their testimonies to agree. Then the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Do you answer me nothing? What is it that these men testify against him? But he, Jesus, kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest said, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of of heaven. Then the high priest went and he tore, he tore his robe open. He said, what further testimony do we need? What further witness? You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him, worthy to be put to death. And some of them began to spit on him. Poo, poo, poo. And they beat him and said, prophesy. And they smacked him on the side of his face. And the soldiers and other ones walked up to him. They smacked him and they smacked him and they smacked him. This is the king that we're talking about. Betraying the king. Let me read in Colossians what Paul wrote about this king that's being betrayed. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, which is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things He may be the preeminent one. For it pleased the Father that in the fullness of Him everything should dwell. And by him reconcile all things to him. By him, whether things on the earth or on heaven, making peace through his blood on the cross. As we read last week in verse 36, Jesus got to that point of knowing what they were going to do to him. Knowing as a human being that the people that he talked to and he healed and he loved and he reconciled with the Father are going to betray him. He made a decision, as Paul records it in Philippians 2. Verse 5 and 11. Let this mind be with you that is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the bondservant's form, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him, highly exalted him and given him the name that which is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Betraying the King is the title of my message. Betraying the Greek 
means to surrender. It means to yield up. It means to bring forth. It means to deliver up. It means, listen to this, it means to put in prison, betraying the king. When we betray the king, we, in essence, take him who knew no sin to become sin. In essence, we take him and we capture him. Jesus says, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. To betray in the Greek means to put him into prison, to turn him over, to totally take him to a place where we deliver him, to commit him to somewhere else. Now, we read this story here in this passage, and it's real easy just to pick on Judas and talk about Judas and to say, boy, what a bad guy he is. But I read the story, and I actually see there's three groups that betrayed Jesus. And each one of these groups, there's a part of us that is representing this. And we need the Holy Spirit, because I don't know where you're at with the Lord. But this is what I try to do on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. God, I don't want anything between you and me. I'm not worried about dying and going to heaven. I just don't want anything because I know how human I am. I take a shower, and as soon as I step out of the shower, my foot is dirty. Do you know what I'm saying? I want God, you want your Holy Spirit to keep searching me. I can't afford to sin. There's times where Kathy and I look at it because of the ministry we do and the people we touch. I cannot afford to sin. But I'm so aware of this fragile human body that I'm in. I need the Holy Spirit to keep changing me. And I need Him to sift me. And I hope that's your heart. It's not about earning your way to heaven. It's this holy God, and I don't want to betray him because there but the grace of God, I fall. He who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness. But that righteousness is still filthy rags as far as God's concerned. So I need the Holy Spirit to constantly search us. So as we go through each of these three areas, I would challenge you. I would implore you on Christ's behalf because you're his representative. Say, Father, if there's anything in here, you need to deal with it. Deal with it. We're not going to call you up front. We're not going to ask you to write a card and write down all the things that God's doing. Let the Holy Spirit just sift it up because he does a better job. We'll point out stuff that he doesn't want us to throw out. And next thing you know, we're not playing frisbee or, or golf or basketball or hockey. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not what I'm trying to deal with. This is it. Because when he puts his hand in an area of our life and he touches us, who, who knows the truth, we're free. Amen? So let the Holy Spirit start talking. All right, number one is Judas. Judas had been his disciples for three and a half years. He was handpicked by the Father. Do you remember when Jesus went away and prayed? And he said, Father, who are the people that I'm supposed to have be my disciples, the followers that would be more intimate with me, the 12 that he would choose to be the governing ones that would, would advance his church? He hand-selected Judas of Iscariot. He picked him out. He was with him three and a half years. But for some reason, according to Matthew 26, 14 to 16, he was willing to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he made a mistake. He, he got to a place where he realized it was wrong for what he did. The repentance that was in his heart manifests itself in despair and brokenness, but he responded to that conviction of the Holy Spirit that was on him because he goes back and he throws the money, as we'll read down the road in a few months or a month or now, we see that he throws the money at the, at the Pharisees and religious leaders and says, I betrayed an innocent man. But what he did not do in that moment, he did not go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have failed you. He took it upon himself and he committed suicide. Now, listen to me. 
We often think because Jesus said it's better that that person had not been born and because it was prophesied that he'd betray him. It does not say in any of the prophecies that he would have to commit suicide and that would be the end of his fate. I know when I've sinned against God and I went and I had failure in my ministry, I remember walking around, I wish I had never been born. The grieving in my heart how I had broken the sanctity of what I had committed my life to in ministry and my brokenness that was in my heart before a holy God. I wish I had never been born. And the, the thoughts of despair and despondency that I had to walk through in brokenness is what Judas is going through. But Judas made a failure in that he did not go back to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Do you realize he would have the greatest testimony of all these people? Peter would have stood up there and said, I rejected him. I said I'd never deny him, but I did it three times. Saul of Tarsus would have said, hi, I'm Paul. I, I used to go into church services, and I would wipe out the entire church service and take them off into prison, and I'd have some people get killed. Judas could have stood up and said, I sold the guy for 30 pieces of silver. I was in such despair, but I went back to Jesus Christ, and I asked for forgiveness, and I asked for his mercy, and he restored me. He took me from the pit and, and set me on a rock, as it says in Psalm 40. He could have taken me out of the point of despair, and done it, but Judas didn't do that. He had been with him three and a half years, and he chose that the best way he could go and fulfill the, the pain and the anguish in his heart was to betray the lordship of Jesus Christ, was to betray him, Messiah, by saying, I will pay for this one on my own. The ultimate rejection is to go and say, Lord, I will take care of this one myself. I appreciate what you did on the cross. I appreciate that your blood was shed for my sins, but this one I'll pay for myself. People ask me oftentimes, how could a holy God, how could a loving God, how could a merciful God send people to hell? And I say this, he never sends anyone to set to hell. They choose to reject the payment of their sins that he's already paid for. Either way, your sin has to be paid for. You can either receive what Jesus Christ has already paid for and accept his mercy and his love and receive that, or else God says the, the other alternative is that you pay an eternity in, in hell with all, for all your sins. It's your choice. Judas chose this option. Judas said, I'm going to pay for my own sin. Judas represents so many of us as Christians. Do you know why Judas went and sold Jesus? He was bitter. You know what really ticked him off the most? We read about it a few weeks ago. A woman, Mary, came in and poured a year's wages in the form of perfume and anointed Jesus. And Judas, has said, got so upset because that should have been sold and the money given to poor. But the insight that the other writers put into the gospel, they said, Judas said that because he liked to help himself out to the cash that was in the, in the treasury. Judas got mad at Jesus. So he made a decision that he was going to turn him over to make up for the money that was taken away from him. Judas was, was bitter. Judas was angry. Judas was, was short-sighted. This represents a Christian, a person really, not just Christians, who's bitter towards God's plan versus their own. They're ungrateful. There's a sense of ungratefulness in their heart. Oh, God, that should have been mine. That's not fair. I want it this way. Judas represents a person who betrays God by willing to kiss off God's love and throw it away to someone else. They take the relationship with God as unimportant. Three and a half years, intimacy with him. And he just went in a single kiss, blew off the relationship. Judas in the story represents a person who betrays God by betraying, by trying to pay for their own sin instead of looking to Jesus for forgiveness. Judas represents a person who betrays God by betraying, by seeking the things on earth, not the kingdom of God. 
Judas was mad because perfume was spilled and he made a violent decision to destroy the one who loved him and handpicked him. Jesus said early on in Matthew 6, 23 to 34, do not worry. Don't say what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for these are the things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need these things but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto to you. Judas is a, represents a person who betrays God because they're so carnally minded that they don't even think of the things above. Let me ask you some questions. Where are the areas that you're like Judas? By betraying God by seeking the wrong things. By betraying God by trying to pay for your own sins. When you try to pay for your own sins, you are ultimately putting him in a place of saying, I don't need you, God. Betraying God by letting your pride turn your back on him. Betraying God by not valuing your relationship with him. Holy Spirit, go deep in us. Show us the areas where we push you. We don't want to push you away, God. None of us want to fail. None of us want to walk out of here today being condemned. We want to be convicted and changed. Father, I pray for those areas in our life that that we have chosen to try to deal with ourselves instead of coming to you. We betrayed your lordship. We've, We've not allowed you to be in a place of wandering freely in our life. We've not valued the relationship. Change that, Holy Spirit, would you? Would you change it in our lives? We don't want, we don't want to be like Judas. We want to be one that our lives testify of your goodness coming in and making things right. Number two is Peter. And I won't go too far on this because Pastor Dave is going to really dig a little deeper into this next week. But Peter, too, had been with Jesus three and a half years. He, too, had been hand-selected by the Father. He, too, was one who was right next to Jesus all the time. I have various reasons why he was with him. I'm not convinced that he was his favorite. I'm more convinced that he was the problem maker. Peter, James, and John. James and John were known as sons of thunder. And it seems like Peter was always opening his mouth. He was shooting his gun off, and then he decided to fire. So I'm more convinced that... Peter was one of the three that hung with Jesus because much like in school, the one who has their desk closest to the teacher is not the favorite. They're the ones the teacher has to keep their eye on. So I'm more convinced when Jesus took these three with him, it wasn't because they were really special. It's because they were really special. They needed God's attention and looking and watching and waiting. That's my take on Peter. He can correct it. And how many here know he's not standing at the gate waiting to usher me into heaven? Where, where we get this out of here? I'm so glad we're going to saturate. Peter was the one that Jesus prophesied a few verses earlier, that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter adamantly said, I'll never do that. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to be the one. If everyone else leaves, I'm going to. But Peter made a decision. I love this story. Peter, in trying to cut the guy's head off, he doesn't even go for the priest. If I really was out in that situation, you go after the biggest guy first. That's the troublemaker. He doesn't. He picks out the servant of the most high, uh, um, excuse me, servant of the high priest, Malchus. He goes to him, and he can't even hit the guy's head. He takes his ear off. I can just see Peter out there with a little tiny sword kind of hacking away at the ear. Oh, great defender. I was talking to a guy yesterday in Pakistan. He was talking about me coming over there and speaking. And he said, I've got this whole team of bodyguards that will put around you. I hope there's not anyone like Peter. Because if I'm in a country like Pakistan, 
I, I don't want to have a, a crew. As we go to Guyana, don't give me a Peter, Pastor Ben. Don't give me a Peter. Peter, in my opinion, is one of these guys that just didn't get it. Peter would make impulsive decisions, impulsive statements, but when push came to shove, his response was also impulsive. Instead of striking the head, he struck the ear. Instead of staying there and saying, this is my friend, you take him, you take me with it. That's the way I was always raised. You hung around with people, blood in, blood out. You didn't leave your friends. They got picked up by the police. You got picked up by the police. You got them out of trouble. I I read these stories and think, I'm glad I didn't hang around with these kind of guys when I was getting in trouble. You don't walk away from your friends, and yet he did. So what does he do? He doesn't follow him in the courtyard. He just kind of stays in the background warming his fire by the fire, his hands by the fire, just kind of way in the back, hoping that nobody will notice him. Peter was willing to betray the Lord for comfort. He was so much represents us. Peter, as we read earlier last week, week before last week, he was a person that represents us when we betray God, when we're too tired to even pray and to seek his face. Remember Jesus roused him up three times? Peter represents a person who betrays God, who, who wants to watch from a distance. I don't want to get too close. I don't want to be too involved. I don't want to be too much connected with this Jesus person. I'll just stay over here in a place of safety. Peter represents a person who betrays God when we deny that we are Christians, when we have an opportunity to profess Jesus Christ in a situation, and we don't. Peter represents a person who betrays God when we want to live a double life. We've got our church life, and we've got our real life. When we're not willing to stand up for truth and let other people really know that we know him. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses to me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Question for you. In what ways are you like Peter? Betraying God by impulsively saying yes to God, but failing when it really counts to come through. Oh God, I will, I'm sold out. Take me, Lord. I surrender all. And five minutes after you walk out in the lobby, someone says, hey, can you give so-and-so a ride? And you say, I'm too busy. I can't do it. I surrender all. The Lord says, open up your checkbook. I need you to write a check to so-and-so. This family's hurting. But we're hurting too, Lord. But this family, I want you to write a check. Willing to profess Jesus Christ until it really gets to the point where you say, I'm close to him, but I'm just not really that close. I like the comfort idea. I like the idea of being here, but I don't really want to get involved. Betraying Jesus Christ by falling asleep on the job. Or by fighting the wrong fight. We're called to fight the fight of faith. Not not, not carnality. The weapons of our warfare are mighty for pulling down strongholds. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. And yet that's the battle that we tend to wage. So Peter represents us. We say, how is that betraying God? We're betraying him because we're supposed to be alert, be sober, be vigilant, be because your adversary walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul says it's high time that we wake up. The word of the Lord that I've heard as I travel around different places, the word of the Lord to the body of Christ is wake up. Wake up! We are the representatives of him. We represent Peter. Peter is standing over here warming himself by the fire as Jesus is being dragged off to being betrayed. His friend. Jesus Christ's name is being raked through the mug in this earth. And we're warming our hands by the fire. 
I, we need to be passionate for Him. A worshiper of Him is not just someone who doesn't hear in this church. It's standing up and saying, you know what? I love you. But when you keep saying Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, you, that's an offense to me. There's a tactful way to do it. I learned that in the business world this last 10 years. When you said, hey, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Can I tell you, that's an offensive phrase. To you, I know you don't mean to hurting me. Are you willing to stand up? When they say to you in a meeting, hey, I, I just got a question. Why is it that your department does so well? Why is your department always doing well, Tom? Are you willing to go and say, because I'm a smart guy? Or do you go and say, because I listen to what Jesus Christ says and I'm submitted to him? Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we appreciate that you're a spiritual guy. But what's the truth? Peter represents so many of us, handpicked by God, chosen by God, spending time with God. And when push comes to shove, we run away and warm our hands by the fire instead of standing there saying, you take him, you take me with you. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Change that in us, Lord. Because I'm not asking for us all to be... Kathy and I are so different in how we approach things. There's some times where I said, Oh, Kathy, I wish you were the person that would come and just kind of step on a few toes. Because she's really good. After this time, she's going to be over here praying for your toes. All the toes I've stepped on today, she will pray for them and love them. We joke that we, joke that, uh, we have three little words. Well, both of you come to us, we have three little words we'll say to you. She'll put her arm and say, I love you. I'll say, get over it. The world is in trouble. Get over it. Let's keep moving on. When I studied biblical counseling, I loved reality therapy. I'm just kind of a reality therapy kind of guy. I'm wired. We're all wired different. It's not about suddenly someone who's quiet has got to go out there and start preaching on the street corner. Let the Holy Spirit show you how you've been warming by the fire instead of being in a place of saying, okay, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'll do however. As a non-Christian, when I, before I was a Christian, as a pre-Christian, I didn't like those nuts standing on the corners. Um, Steve, did you like people like us? I, did, I was offended by them. I, I ran from them. So I'd be real careful how I do it. Ask the Holy Spirit how to show you. But the problem is, most of us don't realize that's what we do oftentimes. We're over by the fire warming our hands as our Messiah is being dragged through the mud. Betraying God by trying to find a place of escape from persecution. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's one of those things you put right next to my God, so I'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You will have trouble. James and Peter both say, don't be surprised when you get it. Jesus said it. I think they claimed it as their life verse. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world is what that passage says. Don't run from him. There's so many areas. Let the Holy Spirit show you where he's doing. His purpose is this, is not to condemn you, as Norm read earlier. He didn't send the Son in the world, condemn the world, but that through him we'd be made right. Through him we would be transformed to his image. Through him we would get this stuff changed in us. That's his point. So in the whole, let the Holy Spirit go deep in your life. Say, oh, oh man, <laughs> there's something in me. Let's deal with it, God. I don't want to. Anyone here not want to represent Jesus? We all want to do it. How many of you can admit there's a little bit of carnality still in our life? The rest of you I will point it out later. No. <laughs> a little oxygen. we got a little bit more to go. Number three. The chief priests and elders and scribes. And everyone says, phew, I'm glad we're talking about somebody else. I am so glad they're not talking about me because I am not a Pharisee or religious leader. Check this out. 
they also had been handpicked by the Father. Do you realize that? If you read the Levitical law of how the priests were chosen, they, they didn't just show up and say, hey, what do you want to be? And, you know, in some guidance counselor in school. These were handpicked by God to be his representative, to be his priest. In fact, it was such a holy honor that once a year, when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, they tied a rope on him in case God didn't accept him so they could pull the dead body out. God hand chose and selected these men to be his representatives. That's why they studied the rabbinical law. They also had spent three and a half years listening to the teaching of Jesus. They also had heard this over and over again. They also searched the scriptures, the Torah, to find out whether this was true. But they were blind when Jesus came. And ultimately, they betrayed Jesus simply because of pride and jealousy. That's what it says. They didn't like that all the crowds went over to him. They didn't like that he preached with authority. They didn't like that he challenged the the very areas that they knew were wrong. We keep reproducing areas in new Christian after new Christian after new Christian and generation of things that we know are wrong. But we still keep doing it because we're all afraid to say, that's really dumb. Let's cut that part off of our lives. Keep going and doing this. Well, this started way back then. The leaders of the story represent a person who betrays God when we are too religious for our own good. When we seek the letter of the law instead of the law of love when we're even willing to go as far as spitting on God's plans for our lives and ultimately rejecting him. And it's just amazing. Here this high priest tore his robe. Jesus, 24 hours later approximately or so, ultimately tears the robe that divided God and man. This man was wearing a cloak that was put on him because God showed Moses how to make the, the correct garments and the ephods and all this stuff. He showed them in, in the Old Testament how to do this. He was wearing a robe prescribed by God, stating his position of who he was. And when he tore that, he was willing to expose not who God was, as Jesus did when he tore the robe, but was to expose his own humanity and his own brokenness. The leaders in the story represent a person who betrays God when we get angry at his direction for ourselves instead of just obeying what he said to do. When we slap his face by rejecting the word of God to our life. Well, I really appreciate the part where it says, wife, submit. I love that part. Oh, yes, Lord, I, thank you. That's the word of God. Years ago, she's very more and more gracious now, but years ago she said to me, read the, keep reading that, because it gets to the part where it says, and husbands, lay down your wife and die. I said, that's not talking about, you're not supposed to be reading that part. You're supposed to be reading the part about <laughs> wives, submit to your husband and love them. Where we slap him in the face by rejecting what he says. And it isn't, it isn't just the areas we need to change. Well, I like, I, I, this says young Christian. I'd read the word of God and say, I agree with this, I agree with this, I agree with this. Oh, I don't like that whole part about this, about courts jesting. I like that. And foul jokes, I like that. I'm going to keep that part. Tear the page out. We don't just reject what he says about what we shouldn't do. We also ultimately reject who we are in Christ. 
He says we're sons and daughters. He says we're redeemed. He says we're the head, not the tail. He says we're above, not beneath. He says we're seated in heavenly places. He says we're righteous. Oh, we're not righteous. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness in Christ. Did he become sin for us? Yes, that we became righteous. I'm not righteous because I call myself righteous. He says it. We slap him in the face by rejecting his law. Andrew has preached on the the spirit of adoption versus the orphan spirit, and we still wander around like we're, we're not adopted by the Father. Oh, I don't know if God can love me today. Oh, God, I sin. You sin, but we have an advocate with the Father. We are to come boldly in the throne that we might find mercy and grace in our hour of need. If we confess our sin, He is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When we reject this, we slap Him in the face and we betray Him. So it represents us, we who are searchers of the Scriptures. So many of us are Pharisees. Not in the negative term, in the good term. That we're Bereans, we search. But listen to what Jesus said about that. John 5, 38, he says, "Do you, not, you do not have his word abiding you because of whom he sent him you don't believe. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you'll have eternal life, But these are the words that testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you might have eternal life. Jesus is saying, you search the scriptures, and in them, in the scriptures you think you have life. And yet when it talks about me, you reject it. The religious leaders represent so many of us in this room that are sold out for God, that that, that try to live by this, but we slap him in the face and we betray him because we really don't believe this. That's why this whole saturated thing is so important to me. That we go and let, it, let God change. Repentance is not just stop doing something wrong and go another direction. It means in the Greek to change the way you think. Oftentimes, as Jesus said, repent. It is translated, change the way you think. Saturated in the word. We, we are able to do, it says in Romans 12, that we submit ourselves to the Lord. And we're able to prove what the will of God is. By what? By being saturated in him. So how do we respond? Well, let me give you a couple of questions to think about here. Let me do this. Where are the areas that you're like a religious leader? Betraying God by being religious instead of relational to God. Oh, I don't do that. Really? don't, Don't put your hand up. Can you honestly say that every time you come to church, you're relational? Is it not true? Oftentimes it's religious. What if God told you, I don't want you to come to Bethel Christian Fellowship on Sunday morning. I want you to go for a walk with me on the beach. You'll find out how religious you are in that moment. I'm not encouraging you to do that. Hebrews says, don't, don't forsake the assembly, which some of you are in the habit of doing. But we are often too religious, not relationship. Oh, God, I took my five minutes of prayer time with you. And he says, but I never knew you. I didn't know who you are. I wasn't intimate with you. You, you gave me five minutes of your day. What about the rest of it? Betraying God by seeking to justify, listen to this, by seeking to justify not following him in an area he said to follow. I'll be brutally honest. I think I've been honest. I keep doing it and now it's recorded. I have run from the calling of going overseas since 1996. My wife has challenged me since December saying, would you at least pray about it? She made the mistake. No, it's not a mistake. She brought it up in our small group and they have hounded me lovingly graciously saying, would you accept it? I tell you, I've been using Skype, and i just thrilled. Talking face-to-face with pastors in Pakistan and in Kenya. Spent a, what, two hours with a guy from Russia last night. 
just delighting. And I'm thinking, if that's what it's like to do it on a flat screen, what's it like to do face-to-face? Get ready, because i also got a team that you're telling me you're supposed to go with me for some of these things. So Ben is my training wheel experience. We're going to Guyana in August. We're going to do it. But where are the areas that you're, you're betraying God by not doing what he said to do? Where are the areas you're betraying God by not really being his representatives? As I said, these religious leaders were handpicked by God to be his representatives to the people. You are handpicked. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, you are not only new creations, but you are God's ambassadors, as though God were pleading through you. Come, be reconciled to God. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation, and he has given you the word of reconciliation. You have been handpicked, chosen by God to be his ambassador. So where are the areas that you keep saying no? Who are the people group that you keep saying no to? Appreciate very much, Dave, the ministry you're doing as you keep bringing to this congregation, for those of us who get real focused on our own ministries, there's a whole people group right here in the Twin Cities. We've got to pray. I, I, too, applaud that this church said we're going to clear space and make it possible for someone to come in and share their heart and how we can reach the Muslim world. We are his representatives. Where are the areas that you are betraying God? Let the Holy Spirit go deep. So how do we respond to this? The opposite of betraying, really, means to be loyal to Jesus. It means to be faithful to Jesus. What, what is the word, Kathy, for opposite of that? Antonym? Antonym. I was an art student, not an English major. I went to a Bible school. The only Greek I knew, stealing the joke from Dave, the only little, I know a little bit of Greek, and her name is Rita Sarginopoulos. That's the only... I have computer programs that translate the Greek and translate the, the Hebrew for me. The opposite of betraying is to be faithful. The opposite of betraying means to be loyal. The opposite means to protect. It means to support. It means to defend. It means to lay down our life, applying it to this thing. It means to be willing to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. It's not turning him over. It's not throwing him aside. It's not betraying him by getting... It's going and saying, I'm staying here. I'm not giving up on you, God. As long as you want to use me, I'll do it. Paul went from being one who defended the Torah to one who said, I'm being poured out like a libation. The chiefest sinners. I've come to the end and I've been poured out like a libation. He says this, and he really gives us the answer in Colossians 3. To do this, we need to be hidden in Christ. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. There's the answer. Galatians also amplifies that where he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Life I live is the life of Jesus Christ living in me. Does that make sense? I died. We begin to not betray him by betraying ourselves, taking ourselves as prisoners to him and saying, I'm a bondservant to you. Do whatever you want in me and I won't stop you. Let him, don't worry about it. Some of us freak out about that. I don't want to become a Christian because I didn't want to preach, I didn't want to be a minister, and I didn't want to travel. God had other plans for me. How stupid. He's not going to take you outside of your gift base and make you do something you don't want to do. He's already wired you a certain way. We have been created for good works, handcrafted fashion. When I'm building something, I don't take a screwdriver to pound a nail in. I don't take a hammer to drive a screw in. We're created for different things to do. 
we're so afraid. We believe the lie that, that Satan told him in the garden that God's going to make us do something we don't want to do. He's already got a beautiful plan for you. I am so glad, Pastor Ludovic, that you, I was thinking of this last week, I was so grateful that you said yes to coming over here to this nation, to coming over here to this nation and trusting God, to see his provision. I was thinking as I was driving by Hamlin, thinking of the provision that God did. I was thinking this. When you said yes, the bigger picture had as much to do with what God is working into your son over at Hamlin University than it was about you getting over here in the United States. Sometimes when we say no, we miss out on what's going on in the bigger picture, what God wants. You want to not betray him? Get his vision. How do I get his vision? By setting your minds on things above, not on the earth. For you died, your life needs to be hidden in Christ. Let me give you five disciplines, I'll call them, and how to be faithful and loyal. Remember, definition, faithful and loyal is the opposite of betraying. Write them down somewhere. Write them in the Pew Bible. Somebody else can read them. Write them on a piece of paper. Write them in your announcement. Write them somewhere. I, I just think, I'm just one of these people. I settle some things. And I write it down. And I go back when I'm, my faith is wavering and I'm kind of a little confused and I'm emotional. And I go and say, you know, I did settle that. And I've got a wife who reminds me at times and says, I thought we settled that. Didn't we settle that? Oh, you're right. We did. We did, Lord. Five things, real quick. Number one, focus exclusively on the Lord Jesus Christ. Morning, noon, and night, allow Jesus to be the center, the circumference, the whole of your very being. Be a, for me to live is Christ kind of person. Get that one right. Focus exclusively on him. Pastor Jim talked about this in the last series. We we talked about the whole thing about being passionate for the king. He's the king, not us. He's in charge, not us. Focus exclusively on on the lordship of Jesus. You say, how do I do it practically? All the, all the five steps I'll tell you, it's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I find myself five minutes after I, I even get into the prayer room with you, I start focusing on other things. Would you help me to stay focused? Would you show me how to do it? I'm saved by grace. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself and start beating you up because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that same passage also talks about that Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, even right now? And the Holy Spirit, a few verses earlier in Romans 8, says he takes our prayers and translates them in a way. He's praying for our best right now. He wants you to get it. He wants you to walk this out. He's going and egging me on to tell you so that you come to him and he says, I'll work out all the details. This isn't a carnal thing. This is a Holy Spirit thing. Number two, purpose in your heart to live a life of holiness before the Lord. Once and for all, settle it with God. Get in there. There's times where you've got to take a stake and drive it in the ground. You've got to write it on the card. You did it when you got married. You did it when you signed up for driver's education. You did it when you, you graduated. You, anytime you sign your name to a piece of paper, you're settling something. Settle it before God. I purpose in my heart to live a life of holiness, set apart, sanctified, set apart from everything else, from everyone else, for him and him alone, for me to live as Christ and to die is to gain. Settle it. Jesus takes serious his lordship in his life, on our life. Declare that no other person, no other motive, no other goal ruins or sways your life, belonging only to the Lord, no other bosses, no other husband. He is the bridegroom, we're the bride. Well, what if my, um, what if my spouse doesn't go with me? Though none go with me, still I will follow. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I am grateful that I've got a wife who's running alongside of me who's made that same declaration. Purpose in your heart to live a life of holiness before the Lord. Number three, progressively develop an attitude of gratitude. Interesting, true gratitude leads one to focus more on the one who gives the blessing than on the blessing. True gratitude does. We realize we have what we have because of he is who he is. We become less focused on how we met our need and more focused on him who met our needs. You got that? Praise is when we focus on how God provided for us. Worship is when we focus on the one who provided it. God wants to move us from praise into worship. That's what they're doing in the throne room. They're not thanking him for how he, how he met our need and provided a car and all this stuff. He wants us to focus on the one that gave us the car and met our needs. Because as soon as he provides the groceries and the cars and all the things we need, the moth and the rust and the thieves steal them, so it's gone. But if we focus on the one that gave it to us, that's, that's eternal. That's perpetual. Purposely develop an attitude of gratitude. Give thanks with a grateful heart for all things. For all things. For all things give thanks. In all things, it says, the admonishment through the Bible is over and over again, literally hundreds of times. Stop complaining about what you don't have, what you can't do, and where you haven't been, and what you haven't seen. Be grateful where God has given you. Start being grateful for goodness sake. Number four, purpose to live a life of immediate obedience. Obey him in every situation and listen to this. Do it immediately. When God tells you to do it, do it. There are times I've gotten in the car and gone to Super America because God told me to go to Super America and there was nothing happening. Times I've gone into the shopping malls. There's times I've dragged Kathy. Kathy's just learned after 31 years, she just learned to kind of flow with me. When I, She'll say, are you done yet? And I say, I'm not done yet. Because I'm hearing the Holy Spirit saying, you're not done yet. And lead us into places. And there are other times when I have gone to these places where God said to say for me to go, because I learned out of obedience, that I saw someone sitting there that was desperate, looking for answers, and said, I came to the park to try to figure out what's this life all about. And I said, let me tell you about Jesus. And I've had the privilege of praying with people in places I probably wouldn't have gone if I hadn't learned to be obedient. Learn to be obedient as he says, get rid of things. Oh, why does God want me to get rid of National Geographic magazine? I don't know. Just learn to be obedient. Better to, to not ever read another National Geographic magazine. I have nothing against National Geographic magazine. It's a great organization. It's a great magazine. But better to not do that, whatever that represents, and to get into heaven and God to say, Norm, that's not what I said. I said, Ranger Rick. And to have this holy God look you in the face and say, Norm, I just asked one thing of you. And you weren't even, be, Lord, why didn't you use me more? Because you weren't obedient in the things I asked you to do. Well, Lord, when did you ask me to be obedient? I, I told you to cancel your subscription to National Geographic. Oh, Lord, that couldn't have been you. Learn to be obedient. When you learn to be obedient, I have found in my life, God seems to use you a whole lot quicker. Because you learn to do it. Uh, Dwayne Perry, I'll pick on him yet today. Dwayne took a trip to Mexico because he heard the Lord wanted him to do it. So I said, why are you going, Dwayne? He says, I have no idea. I just, I just got to obey. He came back. I said, what would you get out of it, Dwayne? He says, nothing. I just know I obeyed what God said to do. Next thing you know, he said, I think I'm, um, 
country? Kenya. No. Tanzania. Thank you. He said, I'm going to Tanzania. I said, why are you going to Tanzania? He says, because the Lord told me to go to Tanzania. What would you get out of there, I asked when he came home. He says, nothing. I just know I was obedient to what God said to do. There are times when you just got to learn to obey God. Now, here's the thing. In the multitude of counsel, there's safety. Don't go cutting off your arm because you read the scripture that says, if, you're, if your hand offends, you cut it off. Multitude of counsel. I bounce off. I quit a job recently. I took two and a half years praying it through, seeking the counsel of God, seeking the counsel of people who intercede for me on a regular basis. Didn't make sense to do it. I had to be obedient. As soon as I was obedient, then I saw God's purposes for it. And God started speaking to me. Oftentimes, when we learn to obey and we step out of that boat, it's when God starts speaking to us. Learn to obey. Just learn to obey. Honey, I think God wants us to send another dollar in the offering plate to do. Just do it. Just be a person who says, yes, Lord, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I have started things. I have purchased things that didn't make sense when I started out doing it, that God always showed me the purpose for it afterwards. If I would have waited for the perfect manifestation of why I'm doing what I'm doing, I'd have missed God's calling in my life. Learn to be purpose to live a life of immediate obedience. Listen to this. Delayed obedience is nothing but disobedience. You want to betray God? Be a disobedient child of his. When there are occasions that arise when you're not sure what to do, do what you know to do. Seek his face. Holy Spirit, direct me. You said that you would, you'd give me words when I'd be brought before kings and leaders and I wouldn't know what to do. I, I'm right here in a situation I don't want to do, Holy Spirit. Learn the relationship with him. He wants to help you. And number five, keep up the fight. Develop the same attitude and commitment that Paul said when he declared, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the face. You want to not betray Jesus? Be the one to stay in the fight. Don't be like Peter and run away. Don't be like the religious leaders who are saying, we just got to get rid of him. Don't be like Judas who disowns him. Be the one that says, I'm standing here to the end, faithful to the end. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm faithful to the end by God's grace. Worship team, come on up here, please. Worship team is going to lead us in a couple of songs, but I want to read one to you. Um, it's just been, I have been, I've been in this wonderful time. I first, oh, about a month ago, started on this um, this time away with God. And I used to get woke up with songs. And they were oftentimes songs that I knew in the beginning of the month. Then they were songs I'd never heard of. And I'd go on Google or YouTube, and God would show me. I'd just get the words, and I would Google it, and then all of a sudden it would be this great worship song. And then it started happening a couple times during the day. And then it started happening... Moment by moment, like right when I was doing something and I had to stop and I've, I've been running running upstairs a lot into my study and closing the door and just, just sitting before God. I am learning to hear his voice and I think part of it is because he wants us to respond to this, to him, and no longer betraying him and really taking him at a, a place of worship. Let me read this song. It's from Gateway Worship. It's called The Alabaster Jar. This is one of the songs that God woke me up with once. This alabaster jar is all that I have worth. I break it at your feet, Lord. It's less than you deserve. You are far more beautiful, more precious than the oil, the sum of my desires, the fullness of my joy. Like you spilled your blood, I spill my heart as an offering to my king. Here I am, take me as an offering. Here I am giving every heartbeat for your glory. Take me, take me. 
This time that I have left is all I have of worth. I laid at your feet, Lord. It's less than you deserve. And though I've lived astray, and though my days are few, you gave your life for me, and so I will live my life for you. Like you spilled your blood, I spill my heart as an offering for you, my King. Here I am, take me as an offering. Here I am giving. Every heartbeat for your glory, take me. Worthy, worthy are you, Lord. So, Father, we just we place ourselves in a position to say, Holy Spirit, you are the one that is so good to sort all this stuff out. We hear in part, we prophesy in part, we speak in part. Holy Spirit, would you put your, your hand in each of our hearts in the areas that we've been betraying you, that we've refused to acknowledge your lordship, your kingship in our life. Lord, would you come deep and do a deep work in our life, Holy Spirit. We want to respond to you in worship. And it says that our reasonable act of worship is submitting ourselves to you. And so, Lord, in, right where we are, we just commit ourselves once again and just say, here I am. I choose to lay down my life. I choose to once again recommit my life. I choose to once again proclaim you, Jesus, King and Savior, Lord and Savior of my life. Use me, Lord. I don't want to live in despair anymore. I don't want to sit there and look back and say, I've wasted. Lord, whatever's before me, I surrender to you, Lord. You know the moments of my days. Use this, Lord, for the advancement of your kingdom. Make us passionate for the king. In Jesus' name, amen. you have taken hold of us for. God, we want to be obedient to the word that was preached this morning. Hallelujah. I read this morning in Jeremiah where God was talking about false prophets that were sharing dreams that never came from him, sharing words that were not of his, but saying, this declares the Lord. But today we heard a word of truth. We heard and it's only in your will that I am free when we're obeying the word of truth. And then I read in Jeremiah right after that it says, the Lord says my word comes with fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. And Tom and I prayed this all the way into church this morning that his word would come forth like fire to burn the chafe in our lives. The things that are weighing us down and hindering us to fully living for Christ and obeying his word and that the word would be like a hammer to, to crush the rocks that are still in our hearts to pieces so that our heart can be a heart of flesh to respond to the word of God preached this morning and, and I wrote them down how you told us to respond in those five ways and I just want to encourage us to go home and seek God's face don't let this word but it was a word of truth that will set us free. Holy life, isn't that good? That we heard a word of truth this morning. We don't want to be betrayers of Christ. We want to be cheerleaders for him. We want to be bringing the world, I mean the word into the world 
segue for what I heard to do for the benediction. Thank you, Millie. Pastor Jim always likes to do the one from Genesis, but this is what I heard for today. Now unto him who is able to keep you from fall, from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy. We don't look to ourselves to accomplish this stuff. It's unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us us faultless and for the presence of his glory be God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever amen and amen and amen God bless you hope you'll be back here tonight for Saturate have a great day um, altar will be open don't run away if God's still working on something in your heart whatever's in your oven it'll keep amen <laughs>